In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. Hope everybody's having a beautiful day. The sun is shining. I hope the wind is at your back and the birds are singing. I want to get into a little bit of some headline news that I've read. I want to dig a little bit deeper, though. I kind of want to go below the headlines. And I want everybody listening to this broadcast to understand that I think we are, in fact, being uh, divided. I think that all of us, if we stand together, then we can't really have as many problems as we're having. I think the majority of things that you're seeing right now are big distractions. And let's jump into the news right now. The top thing that everybody's looking at right now is this idea about Trump being indicted. But I want everyone to think about this. How many court cases have we seen in the last few years? We've seen Weinstein. We've seen Epstein. We've seen Maxwell. We've seen Trump. We have seen potentially Hunter Biden. All of these court cases are just a distraction to keep you from focusing on what's really happening. Yeah, they're interesting. But there's something called, in my opinion, these are show trials. These are for public consumption, whether it's January 6th, whether it's Trump, Epstein, Weinstein. There is no justice, ladies and gentlemen. There is no justice. There's only just us. And what I mean is that there's a class above everyone that does not, that will not be held accountable to the law. It's just how it is. It's the bankers, it's the government, it's the multinational corporations. They play, they play by a different set of rules. And so when you have these show trials, it gives you the illusion that there's justice. It gives you the illusion that these people are held to a standard, but it's not true. No one's indicted. No one ever goes to prison, at least not to the prison they deserve to go to. Okay, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about as far as show trials and Trump and things like that. I want to move into a little bit more of the rest of the world. I'm going to read you some headlines coming from the Jerusalem Post, from Der Spiegel, in different parts of the world. And my reason for doing this is I think that when you begin to understand what's happening in other parts of the world, then you can begin to understand what's happening in your neck of the woods, as above, so below. And if you want to know what's happening in your country, take a look at what's happening in some other countries. Another headline that we have seen that ties into the Middle East 
the Jerusalem Post, Saudi Arabia, and Iran and whatnot is these oil prices that are up. Everyone's talking about like the new futures prices, oil's going through the roof. Well, that's going to create more inflation. But let's talk about what else is happening in the Middle East. We have seen China broker a deal between Saudi, Ar Saudi Arabia and Iran. What is that going to do to the uh, what is that going to do to the relationship with the United States, Israel, oil prices? What does that all have in common? What well, has more than you think? The fact that China is on the scene brokering deals sends a giant message to the rest of the world that they are more of a power broker now. You're seeing alliances shift. You're also seeing in combination with China brokering deals, you're seeing the de-dollarization of the monetary system. These things go hand in hand and they're connected. There's a reason why we're going after Iran. There's a reason why we are no longer friends with Saudi Arabia or as tight as we were. And it doesn't it seem odd that all while this is going on, there's a crisis in Israel. All of these things are connected. And what we're seeing, like I said in my previous broadcast, is the, the implosion of the financial system. There was a mystery drone down by the IDF in Israel. Uh, Key questions emerge after downing a flying object from Syria. Here's an interesting point I want everyone to see. This is a this is a headline from the Jerusalem Post. Trump, U.S. Jews disloyal to Israel. Biden, Israel disloyal to U.S. Jews. Think about that for a minute. That speaks volumes of the chaos that we're seeing in Israel. It's almost a civil war there. And if you listen to a lot of the pundits here in the United States, we talk about a civil war here. We're seeing this sort of breakup of, of what's happening around the world. And I don't know if it's populism finally taking a stand or if it's the individual stepping up to face authority or if it's just part of this next phase of global capitalism, which we're going to get into. So let me move from here. I'm going to fly us over to Germany. We're going to talk about some things over there and see what some headlines are on that side of the world. So this is coming from Der Spiegel. I want to read you some headlines here. I think they're really interesting. And it'll give you an idea of what's what is happening on the other side of the world in Europe, and as well as help you fill in the blanks from some stuff that you're not getting. Viktor Orban ups the pressure on German companies to leave Hungary. Why would Viktor Orban want German companies to leave Hungary? Does he see them as a threat? Does he see them as using Hungary as a proxy war? Does he agree with Russia? Like What's going on there? It's interesting to think about. Uh, German companies have long been active in Hungary, but now Viktor Orban is trying to force some of them to leave. And when they do, his closest allies stand to profit. What does that mean? Does that mean Russia is going to come in and help him out over there? Uh, another, another headline is a look inside Putin's secret plans for cyber warfare. So they're talking about cyber warfare in Europe as we speak. Elite hackers from Russia have their sights set on airports and power plants around the world, along with the Internet. Confidential data from Moscow obtained by Der Spiegel and its partners now provide a look inside their arsenal of cyber weapons and reveal their strategy. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not a judge or a jury, but it does seem to me like uh, cyber warfare and Russia and terrorism seem to be a common theme in Western media. Is it true? I don't know. It might be. According to Seymour Hersh, it was the United States and NATO that took out the pipeline. So maybe there's some tit for tat. Maybe there's some retaliation going on there. I mean, you could make the argument that there's terrorism in the United States right now. There's terrorism with how many trains are being disrailed. There is terrorism with how many, remember it wasn't too long ago that all these flights were down and all these air traffic controllers were having a difficult time figuring things out. 
you can make a case that there's terrorism there. Um, here we go. This is also from Germany. Marine Le Pen surges as Macron's star fades. Think about all the people that are out in the streets in France. What does that mean for the opposition parties? What does it mean for Macron? What I want everyone to think about is that the same thing that's happening across the world, the riots, the propaganda, the anti-Russia, the anti-people, the division of people is happening around the world. And I don't know if that's a concerted effort, but it seems that there's a pattern there. And as you and I are people that like to read headlines from everywhere, we like to do our own research. And I'm not making any sort of assumptions. I don't know what's happening, but I do see patterns. And the same patterns that are happening around the world are happening right here in our country. And I want to add a little note onto that. You know, when the United States goes into another country, the first thing we do is try to destabilize them. We try to mess with their currency. We fan the flames of division. We have train derailments. We go in and we try to mess up their infrastructure. Well, the same thing is happening in our country right now. So you could make the claim, I'm not saying it's true, but you can make the claim that we, the United States, are being destabilized the same way we as a country would go into another country and destabilize them. There's a lot of truth in that. Um, let's see. A climate deal that could become a model for others. See, a lot of people are still working on these climate deals. And this is going to take me, I want to show everybody here. I'm going to jump back. We've gone around the world a little bit. Now I'm going to jump back and show you a map of the United States of what could be to come. Okay. So on my right-hand side, what you see is from a book called Connectography. And this is called the next, the evolution of the next 50 states. And what you see right here in front of you is a potential for the United States to become more like a set of territories. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven territories. You can see all the different colors there. And it's interesting. You know, the dark lines are a high-speed rail. The uh, I don't know if you guys can see the white lines, but those are the current rails. And then the white kind of boxes are like the urban centers. And so what you see right here is a sort of reconstruction, a sort of um, infrastructure for the next generation of what the U.S. could look like. And if you, you know, I, I was struggling to find a map of all the derailments that have happened, but I don't think it's too far of a stretch to place that derailment map on top of this one. And you can kind of begin to see where the restructuring is happening. You know, we hear a lot of talk about civil war in our country or strong cities or 15 minute cities. Well, look at these regions. One of the biggest arguments for the United States is that it's too big to govern. But wouldn't it be easier to govern the U.S. if it was something like this, if you had different regions, different regions have different laws, they have different, you know, the same way they, they kind of these different regions have the same kind of rights as states, but they're able to be broken up and sort of mitigated or governed in a way that is different than we have today. Now, I'm going to show you something really interesting. So imagine this being at least on the books for the United States. and. A lot of us have been talking about the China model that could be coming in. And when I say the China model, I don't mean it to be as a uh, pejorative. What I'm saying is that it's a different model of government. And I'm going to show you another map that has kind of the Chinese model on it right here. So in this, in this model, what you see is the different city-states in China. And you can see that each city-state is like its own little territory. There's different laws, different governors, and it, it's, it's who can run that city the best. 
And I think that if you just take a look at what's happening in this China model up here, you know, and then you come down here and you start looking at the territories in which the United States is kind of being broken up into, you could imagine that each one of these territories, whether it's the West Coast over here or whether it's over in this area, imagine little circles placed around in these areas that would be the center, like the, the urban centers. It would look a lot like that Chinese map up there. But the first stage is breaking it up into territories. And why would, why would this want to be done? Why would governors, multinational corporations want to do this? It would be much more effective and efficient in their eyes to get things done. It would completely destroy uh, America, the USA as we know it today. But it would make it more governable according to multinational corporations. In fact, if we look at these Chinese uh, city-states up here, you could imagine this being like, hey, this is the Google state. This is the Apple state. This is the Norfolk Southern state. This is the uh, you know, Walmart state. And it's not too different than something down here. You know, it's almost like this top map is a practice run for this map over here. You know, if you can figure out a system, theoretically, you should be able to implement it in any other place. And I think that that's kind of the idea that's going on. So from the Chinese model to the breakup of the U.S. and potential city-states and strong states, I want to take you over here to another map that talks about Europe. And so, you know, we talked previously about the ideas of what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Europe. This map right here is a map of pipelines that goes from Europe or from Russia into Europe. And one of them is like arteries, like arteries inside a body. And the, what do the arteries do? The arteries carry blood. They carry the life blood to the body so the body can continue to move. Well, that's the same thing with natural resources, be it oil, be it natural gas. And you can see these big giant arteries that come down from Russia and then they feed almost like little capillaries into the hands of Europe or into the extremities of Europe. And without the blood flow into Europe, what happens? It goes dark. It doesn't have the ability to sustain itself. It needs the resources from Russia. And so if you look at where all these big arteries are in here, like what, look at that area right here. Like that's all where we're fighting at right now, right? This is all the areas where the main arteries are connecting to Europe. So when we talk about NATO or a proxy war between the United States and Russia, what we're really talking about is who is going to control the resources that fund and bring the life to Europe for the next hundred years. That's what we're looking at. And that's why they're using Ukraine as sort of a proxy, at least in my opinion. I'm not a geoanalyst. You know, I'm just a guy with a microphone that likes to read books. But that's my analysis of what's happening. You know, we have heard a lot about supply chains, especially when it comes to COVID or when it came to, you know, uh, the, the breakdown of the economy not too many years ago. But this is what it's all about, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. It's supply chains. It's natural resources. And it's a sort of implosion of the currency that's happening. And they all fit together because they're all part of the lifeblood that allows the countries to run. So if you're in Europe, this is a good map to kind of see where you're at, where you get your resources from. And even though this is a map of Europe, I mean, you can also understand how the same thing would be true when we look back at this map of the United States back over here. See, there's different pipelines, there's different railways, how a country is connected is the same way. Like think about an internet connection. If you have a crappy internet connection, you get bad service. If you have a crappy infrastructure set up, then you have bad service. 
And so what I think you're seeing, not only in Europe and the United States and across the world, is a, a last-ditch effort to globalize the world. And it's it's let me it's two ways. It's either the, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative or it's this unipolar United States sort of Western mode of we run everything, we run all the supply chains. But I maybe it's a melding of the two is probably what we're going to get. So, well, that's what I got. I kind of wanted to talk about those two things. I also want to cover, uh, let me cover an article that I read that everybody enjoyed. It's, uh, this one comes to us from, uh, let's see here. This one comes to us from uh, CJ Hopkins, who is out of Germany. And he writes uh, on Substack. I put the links in the show notes. I recommend everybody go check it out because I think he has a really good sort of understanding of what's happening, at least from a, from a macro point of view. And I, he's really funny and he's got funny stuff in there and there's a lot of satire. So I'm going to read you like the first two paragraphs and then I'll dip down and catch another one. But I want you guys to go check it out because it's a great sub stack and you should probably subscribe to him. He's really funny. So it starts off like this. So I went to London to speak to the left. No, not the left. You're probably thinking of not the mask wearing Ukrainian flag flying left, not the pronoun using segregationist left, not the WEF, WHO, FBI, CIA, DHS, and M16 loving left. Not the global capitalist new normal left. The other left. The old school left. The COVID denying, conspiracy theorizing, Putin loving far right extremist left. You can see the sarcasm in there. It's, it's really funny. And he goes into like a lot of different things that he speaks about, what he sees happening. He talks about global capitalism, when it was born you know, where it is now, what the, what the future may hold for the long-term fate of global capitalism and what can be happening to our world. I'm going to read you this little blurb right here because I think it's pretty humorous and, and then I'll point you back to it. Global capitalism was born. It was one big global capitalist world now. It has been since the early 1990s. Global cap has no external adversaries, so it has nothing to do but clear and hold wipe out pockets of internal resistance and implement ideological uniformity, which is what it has been doing for the last 30 years. First in the formal, former Soviet bloc, then in global war on terror, and finally in our so-called Western democracies. As we've just experienced up close and personal during the shock and awe phase of the rollout of the new normal and are continuing to experience, albeit somewhat less dramatically. So his idea is that what you're seeing right now is the new normal. It is disaster followed up by emergency, followed up by disaster, followed up by emergency. And what this does is it allows the people in positions of authority to move unnoticed. It allows the people in positions of authority to move with emergency powers that the individuals are either too confused to stand up against or they don't have the resources to stand up against. Or by the time they stand up against it, then the global capitalist structure is already on to the next phase. So it's something to think about. Like I said, I'm not a judge or a jury, but I find this stuff interesting. And my goal is to try to unite people, whether you're blue or red or right or left or gay or straight or man or woman or whatever. Like all of us need to be coming together to see the bigger picture of what is happening. And I want everyone to know, try to have some courtesy for your neighbors. If you have different views, Look, people are afraid, and rightfully so. We're in a time of turmoil. But I want to leave you with this little hope that I believe wholeheartedly that we are on the cusp of moving into a world that is not only more beautiful than you imagine,
but more beautiful than you can imagine. But it takes courage. It takes strength. So try to make everybody in your, in your immediate circle better. Try to help people. Try to smile more. Try to tell some jokes and know that what's going to happen is going to happen and you can't control what happens, but you and you alone get to control the meaning of that event. That's what I got for today. Oh, let me, let me address. I got Mark Adelson over here. <laughs> Here's what Mark says. Mark says, can we find some group to assess? Okay. I don't know, Mark. I mean, would that solve anything? I, I'm not a big fan of assassinations because, and I'll tell you why. I, I see what you're saying. Like, well, wouldn't that help? I don't know. I, I don't think it's one person. I think that, you know, if you, even if you got rid of Putin, you have Medvedev, who's a much more of a hawk. And behind him, you have even people that are much more of a hawk. I think blaming one person is a lot like blaming a scapegoat. And it may make people feel good. It may may make like, okay, let's just go down that. Like we got rid of Archduke Ferdinand. What happened? World War. We got rid of Saddam Hussein. What happened? We got rid of all these, you know, scapegoats. But that's all it is, man. It's just a scapegoat. It's not one person. And the truth is, like, if if we were living in Russia, we would probably have radically different ideas of what's happening. I think it's a very important to try and put yourself in a position of the other people because it's, it's we're not our leaders. We're not Biden. We're not Trump. We're not Putin. And the same, the people in Europe, whether they're Ukrainians or whether they're Russians, they have a total different outlook of what's happening in the world. And we got to remember, we're only being fed like a small set of breadcrumbs of what's actually happening. Like we don't, we don't have the tools. Well, we may have the tools when we look at different headlines and stuff, but not a whole lot of people have the time to read papers from Germany, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Hungary, from France. And even if you could read all those papers, there's that old saying that says, believe half of what you read and none of what you hear. So I don't know, Mark, I, I, I think we'd be better off not spending any money in other countries. Like, why do we take all of our money and give it away as foreign aid? Like, shouldn't that money be coming back to veterans or people with mental illness or paying off debts or coming back to the taxpayers in a way, I think we'd be better off just being out of these, of these wars that we really have no business being in. It seems, it seems to me, I don't know, but that's, that's what it seems like to me. Let me know if you guys agree down in the comments, but well, that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen, I, I really appreciate your time and um, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Aloha. Oh, I forgot to hit the button. <laughs> Here we go. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. 
and I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.